but I'm just like sitting there like thinking about what I'd rather be doing with my life which is no offense towards them at all but I'm just like I'm not meant to sit at a desk I'm not meant to be here <laughs> so I finally was like screw it and I, I literally like on a whim sent an email to one of the advisors at MSU I'm like I don't really know what I'm doing but I really want to come back to school for art is that even possible and just kind of went from there Welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast. I am your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I talk with Cheyenne Brooks. Cheyenne is an artist who mainly works with acrylic paints and has been involved in different art festivals around the Lansing area of Michigan. She does commission work and recently did pet portraits for the holidays. Our conversations range from her influences to what her plans are after she gets her degree. Before the interview officially started, we even shared some great stories regarding technical complications people have been having during the strange times of COVID. So sit back, relax, and get ready for Cheyenne's journey as an artist. I was joining like this uh, uh, Zoom event through my church, and we were like watching a movie on YouTube, and I was connected through my microphone and everything. Um, cause I had everything set up for the podcast and stuff like that. And I really didn't want to mess with it. So I was like, I'll just, you know, join everything through the microphone. And there's a, there's an actual button on here to where I can mute and unmute myself. And so I figured, you know, that would just work just fine. And that it would carry across all boards for everything. If I just mute the microphone itself, you know, once I'm in the room and uh, we're in the middle of watching this movie <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, you know, Joel walks in my brother and, um, and he's just like, Hey, uh, like asking me a question about something. And I just like really loudly turned. I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm watching a movie. I'm watching a movie and all this stuff. And then I got muted by the host. So I guess they could still hear it. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. <laughs> I can only imagine. It's like a really like, <laughs> uh, just a really dramatic or heavy part of the movie. He's like, hey, no, I'm watching a movie. <laughs> uh, I've had a lot of horror stories uh, with all my classes being on Zoom in the past few months, just like people thinking they're muted and they're not, and like they're yelling at their kids or their dog or something. And we're like, mm, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I think one of the best ones I heard of that from uh, one of my friends is that they were doing – it was either through Zoom or Teams or something like that, but they had the actual camera set up to where they were, you know, you could actually see everything. And the person, like, got done with a meeting, but they didn't leave the meeting or they didn't shut everything down or something. And um, they just, you know, left and they got up and they took a shower and things like that. <laughs> and then <laughs> and they, oh, no. they, like, walked out of the shower and they're just like, I mean, just fully naked, like, in front of, like, the camera and everything. And then, like, people are like aggressively typing like we can see you like shut your computer down and, all this <laughs> stuff. and then they like had a some sort of like hr email that was sent out about everyone knew it was about that but it was like a you know hey you know like make sure to be work appropriate with uh you know <laughs> with all these different things like, yeah that's embarrassing well that that kind of happened in one of my classes but it was this girl's boyfriend or husband or whatever and I mean, I don't know if he was showering, but he just, like, in the back room, or background, like, completely naked, just walked across, and she's like, oh my gosh, and, like, covers the camera up as fast as she possibly can. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> she kept her camera off for the rest of the semester. <laughs> I don't blame her. Oh, geez, that's, uh, that's embarrassing. It's, it's some strange times right now, for sure, and, and uh, clearly we're all adjusting to everything still. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's never going to feel normal. <laughs> no. And it's funny. I was just listening to a podcast earlier and um, they were talking about the school system. And, you know, they're pretty much convinced that they're going to keep a lot of these, I guess, um, habits and uh, protocols, you know, in place even once COVID's done because they found like a really good way around, you know, doing schooling from home and um and all these other things. So it's like, yeah, I think I think certain industries and things will just kind of adapt some of these practices still and just kind of evolve a little bit and 
maybe be a little bit more lenient with working from home, which I'm fine with. That's cool with me. (laughs) Yeah, I think companies are realizing how much people can do from home. And there's so many more remote jobs because of it, which I guess is nice. Yeah, no, it's crazy because and it's it's really make I mean, it's kind of making the job market more competitive, too, because you're if it's all these different remote positions, I mean, you don't have to look locally anymore. You can look for, I mean, anyone who has Wi-Fi, really. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it good in some ways. And I guess, you know, if, if anyone's struggling to get a uh, web-based job or they, if they were struggling before, I feel like it's only going to get harder with uh, <laughs> all the competition. But, um, but, you know, I guess teach their own depending on what they're what they're doing, what kind of goals they're looking for, what kind of career they're looking for. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, anyway, uh, welcome to the Juxpose Journeys podcast. Uh, So happy to have you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, And first off, I I saw that you have a year and a half left of grad school, so congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Getting there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) slowly but surely. Yeah. what are you getting your degree in? Um, I'm getting a dual degree in mental health counseling and art therapy from Wayne State. Nice. That's really awesome. Uh, do you have any rough uh, career plans once you graduate? Um, I went into the program knowing I wanted to work with kids. Um, I don't, don't really know how, but after all of my experiences, I'm like, man, I could do anything like adults, uh, substance abuse. Like I could work in a prison. Like there's so many options, but kids are so like pure. And I feel like that's probably where I'm going to end up no matter where it's at a hospital or private practice. There's, there's a lot of options out there and I'm so indecisive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're preaching to the choir there. I'm the same way. (laughs) No, that's, that's so awesome though. Um, and I feel like once you just kind of get those experiences and dabble in different areas and, and different fields and aspects of it, you kind of start to figure out where um, your interests lie and where you kind of want to be. So, no, that's really cool. And you said um, art therapy as well? Yeah, art therapy. Awesome. Can you, uh, I guess, uh, explain that a little bit? So, um, I got my undergrad in art education thinking I wanted to be a teacher, um, which teachers are amazing, but I was like, I want to do more. Like, what can, what else can I do? Like, I want to work with kids more one-on-one. And I just started Googling, honestly, and read about art therapy. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. That's what I need to do. So basically, instead of like a therapist sitting in a chair and you're sitting on a couch and like talking about your feelings, you're instead sitting together drawing about your feelings instead, or I mean, you could do, like, ceramics or painting, and there's a bunch of things you could be doing, but, um, like, an example is just, like, with kids, it's, like, um, like, here's an example of something that, um, you might see, like, at home, like, how does that make you feel? And you draw about it. And it's surprising how much you can actually get out of just a simple drawing, um, especially once you break it down. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so you would actually be, I, I mean, I guess right there with them and interpreting, I guess, what their drawings or what their art is meaning about what they're going through. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, I feel like there would be a lot going into that for sure. But that, I mean, it sounds it sounds challenging, but it sounds extremely rewarding. Yeah. And I, I mean, counseling isn't easy. Like, you're going to experience stuff that you don't want to hear, but I mean, that person needs help just as much as anybody else. So it's definitely, it's going to be really re- rewarding. Yeah, definitely. Requires a lot of patience for sure too. I mean, with the art aspect and with the counseling, that's just like a double whammy there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, I, I, I mean, I worked several years in the mental health field and it's, you know, extremely taxing work, but, you know, very rewarding too. Um, so it's, it's it's a field I really enjoyed and got a lot of fulfillment from it. You know, I really did. Um, I was kind of, I was sad moving on and, and doing other things, but, you know, I'm happy with where I am now too. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's some really like rewarding stuff. And I, I developed some really great bonds with the, the people I worked with and, um, you know, same with coaching, you know, coaching cross country for a few years. It's, uh, you know, I guess 
you know, similar in, in a way of just kind of getting that reward system and just uh, working with people and, and seeing them grow and, and doing better. No, that's really awesome stuff. Yeah, there's so much you can take from it, too, and apply it to any job, really, and especially in, like, mental health and coaching. Like, there's such a big part of, like, having empathy that's so important, and I don't think enough people have that, so it's definitely worthwhile no matter what. No, I agree, because it's it's one thing to, you know, uh, sympathize with, with someone, but to, you know, have empathy, that's a that's a big difference. You know what I mean? Um, like yeah, it's, it really is. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's, um, so no, that's, that's some really powerful stuff for sure. And especially if you have empathy and everything, I mean, definitely <laughs> counseling is the, the way to go. I mean, there are so many people, especially in these weird times, um, that just, you know, really could use some, some help and, um, and are going to continue to, you know, need help and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, I guess the nature of the world and <laughs> yeah and I think more and more people are realizing that it's okay to ask for help because like seeing a counselor was so taboo it's just like oh like you're crazy if you have to go see a therapist but now it's more like I just need somebody to like bounce my problems off of and help me work through it and it's a lot less taboo now <laughs> no definitely I yeah there there definitely used to be a stigma with it that's um really pretty much gone away, I'd say, or at least it's, it's become a lot more acceptable and understanding when people go to therapy. I mean, shoot, I've, I've been to therapy. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more normal now to just sit down with somebody, talk about how you're feeling and, um, try to overcome problems. And I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's helped me in a lot of different ways. I definitely still battle with things for sure. I mean, I'm still, I still have a ways to go, but there are certain things that, you know, like, um, that just used to really drain me and bring me down. I got over it after going to therapy. So, you know, I have to attribute some of that to, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm definitely a firm believer in it for that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely teaches you ways to cope that you, you wouldn't necessarily come up with on your own or like it helps you kind of like step outside of yourself and look at the problem in a different light. Yeah. It's so true. Having that um, extra perspective really just like, you know, it, it's kind of, kind of eye-opening, really, and just talking things out and, and seeing things, I guess, from a different perspective or seeing things logically or just, I don't know, taking a hard look at the way you look at things and everything. I mean, there's there's so much that goes into it that, uh, I mean, it truly is therapeutic, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> and um, now, uh, you mentioned earlier about undergrad, and you went to Michigan State for that, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um did you, uh, so what, what did you get your degree in at Michigan State? Um, so it was art education and ceramics. Um, I really loved painting, but when I was doing my undergrad, I did some pottery. I'm like, this is awesome, but I don't really know anything about it. So I chose to minor in it because why not learn about something you don't know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, that's so cool. Um, and I was going to ask you too about other, uh, art forms and everything too because i know on your on your instagram page for your art uh you you work mostly with acrylic painting but you work in other mediums as well um do you just i guess prefer acrylic overall or do you have other mediums that you really enjoy working in acrylic i i do like acrylic um but it's the easiest cleanup really and i <laughs> i've moved every single year for the past 10 years and it's just so much easier to transport and just take care of. Um, oil paint is awesome, but it's smelly and um, toxic. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to like have the right means of cleaning up. And then um, I love ceramics, but I mean, I don't have a kiln or a throwing wheel in my home by any means. So it, I mean, if I had my way, I would have like a whole art studio and probably mostly do painting and pottery but that's in a perfect world <laughs> <laughs> yeah no totally understandable it's funny because um i was doing some research uh because i realized pretty quick there's a lot that i don't know about um you know the finer details of of art and painting and everything so i was you know googling and um watching youtube videos on just like acrylic painting and stuff like that and 
I was kind of mesmerized by the whole experience. Um, let's see. It was a girl named Emily Mackey art. I just kind of was searched, you know, YouTube uh, acrylic painting, and she seemed to have high ratings and knew what she was doing and stuff. So, like, oh, sure, why not? And um, she was just painting, uh, doing, like, a beginner type thing of, like, a simple landscape. It was, like, a sunset and everything, but... You know, the way that she was doing it was, was just so mesmerizing and stuff, too. But then it, it made me think a lot about all that goes into them as well. I mean, just the simple things that I would take for granted, like the, the process of, like, blending the colors to, like, slowly get the transitions right and things like that. And Oh, yeah. I was like, man. And, and on, uh, on top of that, I mean, acrylic paint dries pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah, like, super fast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would just stress me out more. Like, So I'd have to actually work pretty quick with what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I definitely have a tendency to overthink things. So I almost feel like you, I don't, I don't want to say you can't do that as much, but you, you definitely have to move the pace a little bit with it and stuff too, which is uh, <laughs> another aspect of it. It's definitely tough. Um, I, I actually, I worked at a painting with a twist for quite some time and it was, almost heartbreaking to see some people that had my level of anxiety and they're like, I've never painted before. I don't know what I'm doing. And they would just be so stressed out and not even enjoying themselves. But then there's other people that they're like, I've never painted before, but I don't really care. <laughs> and they're just having a great time. So it just, yeah, you have to have the right mindset to really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, actually blending colors is one of the hardest things to explain to somebody that doesn't know anything about paint. I'm like, it's like, yeah, they like fade into each other, you know, like an ombre. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was having my mind blown watching the video. I mean, like, you know, there are certain things that I could probably deduce or, or guess from the top of my head of it's like oh well if i mix these two together i could probably get like a blue or a green or something like that but i mean she's just like such a pro and just like oh yeah i'll just add, grab a dab of this white a little bit of this yellow and everything and then it's just like this perfect shade that she needed and i'm just like how do, it's so crazy to me how they just like, are able to think that fast and <laughs> right and there's so many different shades of colors like you can make a green but there's like five shades of yellow and like 15 shades of blue to make a green from so it's, it's a lot of like trial and error honestly before you really figure it out yeah no that's very true so would you say a lot of that just kind of comes with experience and just doing it or were there any specific classes or anything that you learned in college that really got you i guess thinking more critically about some of those finer details um a lot of it was just from practice, um, to be perfectly honest. And if my professors ever listen to this, um, I had a complete mental breakdown in my painting classes. I hated it so much. I, it's like your, your own worst critic, but then when somebody else criticizes you as well, it's just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like I, I didn't finish hardly anything in my painting classes in college. And that's why I decided to try ceramics just so I could like get out of my head and try something different. But after doing my undergrad is when I really started to experience or experiment with painting because nobody was grading me. And I think that just made it different somehow. And I was able to just like play around with different colors and brands of paints and paintbrushes and just do my own thing and not have anybody like critique it or tell me that, oh, you should do it this way. I'm like, no, I'm just going to do whatever I want. <laughs> no, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and art's definitely one of those mediums to where I feel like it is very just subjective and it's, it's more about, I guess, you know, what, what you're getting out of it yourself and stuff too. Like if it's something you truly enjoy doing, I mean, I, I feel like it's not something that should be scrutinized by like, you know, uh, an outside perspective or an outside eye. So I'd, I would understand the frustration there. Definitely what you were going through. Yeah. And it, it was such a bummer because one of my favorite professors, she was such an amazing painter. And I think I got so stressed out that she was so good and I couldn't mimic anything she was showing me. But once I started exper experimenting on my own, I found my own style. And I'm like, it's nothing like the paintings that I like, but this is my style and I'm just going to run with it. And I've gotten a little bit more out of my head now that I'm like just accepting what I can do versus what I want to do, if that makes sense. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really cool. Um, it, yeah, and finding your own style and, and your own voice with things is, is so important. So, you know, getting on the track towards that is definitely, I think, more important than trying to mimic. Um, you know, even even with things that you really admire, teachers that you really, I guess, admire, just finding your own style is, is definitely super important. Yeah. Um, what, what styles, I guess, do you gravitate towards in particular? Like, um, I guess that could be a two-parter. So... Ones that you gravitate towards just from a viewing standpoint and when they set you just gravitate towards that you feel like are your your own style or mimic that way the best. Um, so I have always loved impressionism, so that's like Monet, um, and like his um like pond paintings where it's just like not really clear cut lines and it's just a bunch of flowy colors and same with Van Gogh, like his was considered impressionism. And they're just so beautiful to look at, and they're so colorful and just calming. Um, <laughs> and I wanted so badly to be able to paint like that. But what I took from that was color. And I don't know that I can put a term on exactly, like, how I create art or, like, what style it's in. But I just really like color and playing around with different colors and objects and you never know that I enjoy color because I wear all black or gray but <laughs> <laughs> I just uh I don't know I like fun playful stuff and I always tend to paint like random objects but make them really obnoxious like a neon orange like coffee cup or something like that just to I don't know just to have fun Okay, so so more obnoxious, just with the the color palette as opposed to just like the actual physical shape of things. Yeah, yeah. Except when I'm painting for other people, and I'm like, okay, I gotta gotta calm down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, um, I know you did that uh, those pet portraits for the the holidays and everything, um, which I thought yeah. was a really cool idea. So what uh, what kind of led you to, I guess, go down that path and do pet portraits? Um, I started doing pet portraits when I worked at Painting with a Twist, because I never really thought about it, but I was like, wow, you know, like, people love their pets. Who wouldn't want a painting of their pet? That's so cool. So, um, once I played around with painting my own cat and dog, I was like, wow, I, I guess I'm actually kind of good at this, which I will never say that about anything, but, um, I felt comfortable with it, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to advertise it and see how it goes. Oh, that's so cool. And, um, yeah, for all the listeners and stuff out, out there, like, uh, yeah, because uh, I had you do that portrait of Pepper. Um, for Yeah, for anyone listening, Pepper is my other roommate. She is a red dapple dachshund, and I love her to pieces. <laughs> she's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, she's great. And I, that's what I was so blown away by. I mean, you, you got like her, because she, she has a pretty complex, uh, you know, color you know to her coat and everything like it's you know she's got all the brown spots everywhere and um i mean you just absolutely nailed it and i was blown away like it, it just like exceeded my wildest expectations of <laughs> what it would i mean i swear like you captured her her energy her charm like her like you know the way that she acts around like her family like you know my brother joel and i and it's I mean, I was absolutely blown away by it. It was so good. Thank you. I honestly, she was probably my favorite. And plus, I mean, the purple background, I already told you, but I was like, I never get to paint with purple. This is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but it was super fun. That's awesome. No, I'm, I'm so glad you enjoyed that too. Cause it's, it's funny. Cause um, yeah, I think I even mentioned that to you previously before too, but like um, th there's just always been an association with purple and pepper. Like she had like this purple collar, you know, and, you know, in her early years. And then she would always have these purple toys that she would just love playing with. Like one was like a purple owl toy. One was like a, some other type of bird or something, but for whatever reason, she just loved playing with those toys. And I, I mean, you know, dogs are colorblind and stuff like that. So I, I know it wasn't the color purple, but I just thought it was a weird coincidence that she like was always surrounded by purple things so we just associated the color with her so <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> purple pepper <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> contrary to popular belief dogs actually see more shades than just black and white humans are trichromatic while dogs are dichromatic 
with the cones in the eyes making a difference in color perception. Scientists now believe that a dog's vision is similar to a person who has red-green color blindness, according to research conducted by Jay Neitz at the University of Washington, making them able to see yellow, blue, and combinations of those colors. But no, it's, it's, oh yeah, and it's so funny too. I don't know if I ever told this story, but, uh, you know, when I picked that, that painting up from you and I, I drove it back home, like I, I came inside and, uh, I was, I think I had to like run a few other errands. I had groceries or something. So I like, you know, I brought everything inside all at once and then I had to set the paintings down. So I set them like just on the chair and I, I set like these grocery bags down or something and then, you know, Pepper is usually like snooping around and looking like right in the grocery bags or whatever I brought in and that I put on the floor. But like she wasn't even going towards that. She was like immediately going towards like the portraits on the chair. At a, you know, like they, they were just kind of like um, just sitting there out of her reach and stuff like that. But she was just kind of went over to him. And I just thought it was weird. And and then the, so it was funny because I, I like showed her the, the one of her and I was just like, you know kind of riling her up or whatever. It was like, like Pepper, you know, this is you and everything like that. And like, and it's, she was like so excited. And I don't know if it was just because of my tone of voice, but like, it's almost like that thing. Like, it's so funny. Cause if you just act excited, like dogs are just always ready to party. <laughs> right. And you, you can just say like the most random stuff and they're like, yeah, I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she was like instantly into it. And she was just like, it was just the funniest thing to me. I was like, yeah, it's like, yeah, she likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas my cat just, you could say anything to her and she'll just look at you, so. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Set something on the table to just swat it off or something. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Actually, it's so funny because uh, the interview I was doing yesterday um, got interrupted by a cat at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's pretty good. She's been next to me this whole time, but I don't know. If anything, she'll like bite my feet. <laughs> <laughs> that's great no it was, it was just the funniest thing because it was getting to like the tail end of the interview and then um like it sounded like he was just like shuffling papers around or something like that and i was like is he taking notes or something <laughs> like but then uh but then he's just like oh no sorry my my cat's just like messing with my headphones and all this i was like oh <laughs> that's what it was <laughs> makes sense now <laughs> <laughs> it all yep it all makes sense now <laughs> Check out the previous episode, Pat Sievert's Journey in Stand-Up Comedy, to hear that legendary cat interruption. Now, you currently work at the uh, Shiawassee Arts Center, right? Yes, that's correct. Nice. Uh, what kind of work do you do there? Um, pretty simple stuff. Um, I am their weekend person. So, um, I mean, because of COVID, really all I'm doing right now is just kind of maintaining the facility on the weekends. And then if we have any visitors... Um, um, we do have a gift shop or like consignment, so um, helping them if they need it. And then um, in between shows, I get to help set up and like hang artwork, which is really cool. And um, I don't know, I never had an experience with that before. And it's like so precise and you don't realize like how um, stuff kind of goes together until you're like hanging stuff up and moving it like a million times before it looks good. <laughs> yeah definitely that's really cool um see and i i was doing some digging and stuff too and i've seen that you've done some work for nurseries in the past too so i mean i guess with your commission work do you primarily do work with individuals or do you get requests from like businesses or other things like that um i was actually just talking to somebody today about how i need to market myself better because <laughs> right now it's just kind of word of mouth or like friends of friends sort of thing um I, I've gotten a couple of people who have recommended me to do murals, but at the, that time I was working like 60 hour work weeks and I was like, no, I can't do that. But now I'm like, heck yeah, like throw me in there. I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying, I'm, there's a couple different websites that have like call for artists that I would like to look into and just see what's out there. Um, cause I do have so much more free time than I did <laughs> before COVID. <laughs> no, so true. And, um, actually, yeah, that ties into another question I was going to ask too. Cause I remember you had a tent set up at a art feast in old town back in 2019. 
Um, and I know things are pretty much at a standstill with uh, COVID right now, but have you done any other events similar to that or do you find them like a really good way to network? Um, no, honestly, um, 2019 was like my year. I was so excited and finally like selling paintings and like painting for people. And I did art feast and, um, I did my local farmer's market and, um, really enjoyed it. And I was like ready for 2020. I'm like, I'm going to do it from May to September. Like I have all these plans and then March happened. So, um, <laughs> so I, I've mostly just been doing like, like I said, like word of mouth commissions, but in the future, I definitely want to do more art fairs, even out of state. Like, I just want to get out there and sell stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's so funny. Cause I feel like that's the, the common theme for people. Cause that's, that's exactly what happened to me. Like 2019 was like such a big monumental year for me. Like I was, I was knocking out all my goals. Like I was just feeling really good about stuff. And I was like, yeah, I was like, 2020 is going to be great. Like I get, you know, I, I set the bar even higher. Like I, I did, I did, uh, seven marathons in 2019, you know, through like a knee injury and stuff, which was definitely like aggressive and some were like trail marathons and stuff that's not knee friendly at all. <laughs> so like, um, but like, I was so stoked. I was like, I said, I want to do seven. I did it. I actually misspoke here and only ran six marathons in 2019, a slightly less impressive feat than seven in a calendar year. I'm going to set the bar even higher. I'm going to do eight marathons and, uh, 2020. And like, I, I actually like mapped them all out, which ones I was going to do like across the U S and stuff. And I was literally, um, it was, so I was originally going to fly out to New Mexico to do the Baton Memorial Death March on uh, Sunday, March, or wait, it would have been, yeah, Sunday, March 15th. I flew out on Friday the 3rd, or I would have flown out on Friday the 13th, but everything was like really heating up with COVID. And, you know, I made the difficult decision. I was like, I, I mean things are really getting serious with this. I don't want to be stuck out in New Mexico, um, you know, and have to quarantine or, or run that risk. I was like, they already canceled the event anyway. And I was like, I probably should just stay home and not even risk it. So I, you know, canceled my flight and stuff. And I'm glad I did because I mean, everything changed that Monday. I went into work and they called a meeting. We just had a half day and I have been home ever since. <laughs> Seriously, I I mean, I know it sounds so lame, but I had a hair appointment on March 16th. <laughs> and on Saturday, March 14th, my hairdresser texted me and she said, I, I know you know what's going on and um, I hate to do this to you, but we're actually going to cancel all appointments for the next two weeks. And then two weeks turned into 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. I remember even people at the office saying that they're like, oh yeah, I think we're going to be home like two weeks. And I was even thinking in my head, like, it's probably going to be longer than that. <laughs> Who knew it would be this long? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I expected necessarily this long, but I, I mean, yeah, it's totally understandable now that, you know, after reading all the research and the reality of things, like then, it, you know, come to realize, oh, it was just heavily downplayed before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really was. And like, I also was on my spring break from school and we just never went back. <laughs> I I haven't been to Detroit since last March. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, yeah, everything just kind of completely changed in an instant. And um, no, it's been, it's been very bizarre. That's for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Still not used to it. It's been almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, people are, you know, coping and adjusting, I guess, in their own ways. You know, some are finding time to take up other hobbies, just finding different ways to stay busy and occupy their time and stuff like that. And no, it's, um, I mean, I feel like I've been doing a lot more reading, actually, like taking the time to just chill out a little bit and like, you know, not always be out of the house and you know, going everywhere, doing something and actually just, you know, taking the time to relax or just do things I enjoy just for the sake of just doing things I enjoy. Yeah, exactly. So no, it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it, it's hard to put into words, I guess, uh, generally speaking, but you know, I guess long story short, it's been an adjustment, I guess, for 
everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to say it. Yeah. It's been a year. Something I got thinking about while I was watching that YouTube video, um, and I'm sure this question is very situational, but do you ever have an issue with like knowing when a painting is done, like being able to step away and stop fine-tuning things? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I, I'm so bad at this. Like, so I, I just finished a Star Wars painting like yesterday. And I've been working on it for weeks and I keep texting like my friends and my parents. I'm like, do you think this is done? Does this look good? Like, should I add anything or fix anything? <laughs> and it's so much harder when it's for someone else. Cause it's like, would they like it? Like, is this good enough for them? Like, is this what they were imagining? Um, versus with myself, it's like, uh, I think that's good. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> No, that's, yeah, it's, it's so funny though, because, um, <laughs> like, I, I mean, the, the question's always kind of been in the back of my mind thinking about it, but, you know, it kind of, um, came to surface, like I said, while I was watching that video and just thinking, oh man, that looks so good. And she's like, and now we're going to add, you know, a splash of this color, a splash. I was like, oh, I thought it was done. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not done. <laughs> it's not done yet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I'm not alone on this, but I'm sure there's people out there that have an easier time, but I... I seriously, I'm such an anxious person that I'm just like overthinking everything. And it's always been hard for me to determine that, like if something's finished. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely identify with that. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I mean, I, I went to counseling for OCD. So like I, I I'm definitely very, have a, an obsessive personality um, in the sense of just like, I don't even know, like, like just it's it's so hard to i guess put into words but um yeah like uh well for an example i mean just some of the blog posts that i would write and everything like i would spend a good amount of time writing like you know one of those and i would release one every week so that's taken a good chunk of my time just preparing content constantly and like i would read these different articles um you know seeing how to expand the blog or like make it better or um what i guess i should be doing and uh, a lot of these, you know, highly regarded bloggers um, said you shouldn't spend any more than two hours on a blog post. Like if you spend more than two hours, you're doing it wrong. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm definitely doing, doing it wrong. Then <laughs> I was like, how do I make a post in two hours? Like I, I, I spend so much time obsessing over it, like, you know, fact checking, triple checking details, um, doing more and more research on these different things that I'm not sure about googling words that i know the definition of but i need to google them anyway you know to make sure i'm using it correctly in the sentence oh i feel that i definitely i definitely uh have had that similar experience um even with like school papers like i had to do a research paper a few months ago and um i had to do art therapy with two children and I only worked with them for maybe like two hours each and my professor's like, okay, well, the paper should only take you half the time that you met with the kids. <laughs> and I'm over here on like my seventh day and probably like 12th hour working <laughs> on this paper. I'm like, well, that's longer than two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's always funny to me when they put those, I guess, uh, you know, time, I don't want to say time requirements, but like, uh, like time recommendations like, oh it shouldn't take you any more than an hour two hours for the same like you don't know me <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah you don't know me <laughs> yeah i'm gonna spend half the t i'm gonna spend two hours just getting anxious about worrying about how i'm gonna start it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <for real. laughs> yeah no so true i'm, I'm glad you uh <laughs> I, I, I know know what that's like and identify with it well i guess i'm not glad but you know what i mean no, I, I know what you mean. We're not alone in this world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So to any listeners out there, you know, that also go through that, you are not alone. Definitely not. <laughs> um, and something else I was thinking about, too, because uh, now, do you ever find yourself attached to the portraits you paint for people? Like, is it ever hard for you to let them go once you're done with them? Um, not usually, because the stuff that I paint lately has been really personal, like, pepper and i did like a portrait of a french bulldog which i loved but i'm like obviously like this means nothing to me but it is really stinking cute um but 
But what I do have a hard time letting go of is stuff that I paint that is actually good or people have told me that it's good. And uh, I I mean, I work at a gallery and I took a couple of my paintings in um, that I really enjoyed and I like hated every time somebody looked at them. I'm like, don't buy them. Please don't buy them. <laughs> I want them. So I don't, it's such a weird <laughs> feeling. It's like you, you want people to appreciate your art but you don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be a very, uh, delicate line to balance, I guess. Um, do, do you ever have a hard time envisioning, I guess, someone else's vision for what they want you to do? Yes. Which I, I think is why I have such a hard time deciding when something's done. Cause I, I'm just like, I, I, I think I'm understanding what they want, but maybe I'm not like, maybe I'm so far off that they're, they're going to hate it and they're not going to pay me and they're just going to say, forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I guess, I guess in that regard, do you ever get burned out on any of the projects you're working on? Um, sometimes I have to take a step back. Um, like I had mentioned earlier, like I like really colorful paintings and I, I do enjoy painting animals. So when I paint more technical stuff, like I've done vehicles and airplanes and stuff like that. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, but I don't feel like I'm as good at that. So I struggle to like stay motivated with it. So sometimes I have to only work for like an hour or two and then stop and then not work again on it for like four days and then go back to it. But I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) No, that uh, no, that makes a lot of sense, and that actually ties in with a another question I was going to ask you too. So, I guess it largely depends on if you have to meet deadlines for commission work or something like that. But do you designate time to paint, or do you just kind of do it when you feel inspired? Um, right now it's kind of just when I feel inspired slash motivated. Um, I went from working a full-time job and going to school full-time and not really having time to paint so I did have to schedule time like if I did have a commission I'm like okay Friday at six I have to paint for like three hours but now (laughs) I went from that to working eight-hour work weeks and I mean still school full-time but I have so much more free time where it's like I'll just paint whenever I feel like it. it's fine (laughs) no that that definitely makes a lot of sense um (laughs) And I, I've, I've noticed that too, like, you know, if, if, when my schedule is extremely busy with stuff, like I have to schedule things and actually like, you know, dust off my planner and stuff like that and write things down because like, or else I'll just forget about it or it won't get done. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I completely identify with that. Um, but then when I have, you know, free time, uh, and I, I, and I guess that's another thing that COVID has kind of taught me too and stuff is that like. I still need to like write those things down and kind of block, at least for me personally, anyway, like I still need to write them down and kind of say, okay, what am I going to work on or do today? Um, just so it's out there and I stay on task with it. Cause if not, I, I just keep pushing it back and pushing it back. And then like, I, it'll, it's one of those things like it'll get done eventually, but I'll be like scrambling last minute. And I was like, I, I need to like stop stressing myself out so much and like avoid that and slowly like, work on the small steps. So I'm not doing that at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that it kind of went from me scheduling like a specific day and time to do something to now I still set goals for myself, but it's more like I want to accomplish A, B, and C this week instead of like Tuesday at seven sort of thing. So I still like, I'm like, you, yeah, I still have to write stuff down and like set goals for myself. Um, but it's less structured. I guess, which is kind of nice. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and that's, that's kind of loosely how I've, uh, constructed my time and stuff lately too. Like I'll have this goal board and I'll just write down, you know, stuff that I, I want to get done or need to accomplish, but I won't really put a time estimate or whatever by it, or like actually block it into a schedule. Uh, but I'll just kind of write it down and then I'll cross it off or check it off once it gets done and like, okay, what can I work on next and stuff? And I guess I kind of logically schedule it in my head, but I'm never just like, oh, it's, it's seven o'clock. Like I'm, you know, I'm 15 minutes late to do this or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, now let's see, does, a does a blank canvas 
uh, generally like excite you or overwhelm you most of the time? Um, depends on what size it is. <laughs> a good point. Um, I I have a much easier time starting with a blank canvas when it's decently small. Like I'd say smaller than twelve inches. Um, I I think that was one of my problems in college because they were like your smallest painting we're going to do is like three foot by four foot. And I'm like, holy crap, what am I supposed to put on that? And like everybody else in my class was doing like six foot by 10 foot paintings. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> um, now that overwhelms me. I like you, you won't even see that size canvas in my collection. And I have a lot. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. And I, I think I remember seeing on your, on your Instagram page too, about, like you generally like working with uh, smaller portraits and smaller paintings, so that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not so much as like the. I I think there's like a trend a trend where it's like miniature art or tiny art. I'm like, I can't paint that small. It's like an inch by inch <laughs> canvas. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say you you uh, may have almost found your target market there of just doing tiny art pet portraits or something. I mean, I don't, I don't oh know gosh. how many people you'd be competing with. Right. <laughs> I, that's what I'd become famous for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, so, uh, how many projects do you usually have going on at once? Um, honestly, I haven't been doing this long enough to have a good answer for you. <laughs> okay. No problem. Um, I, it kind of varies, like, around the holidays I had a lot, but it's because people wanted Christmas presents. Um, now they kind of trickle in, and I have anywhere from, like, one to three paintings at a time, which is fine. Um, and then it also gives me time to do stuff for myself as well, which I, I never know what to paint for myself, so (laughs) it gives me time to plan. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was actually another thing I was I was going to ask too like uh do I mean do you ever take breaks from like commission work to paint something that you get a lot of fulfillment from like a project that you're working on specifically Sometimes uh I did that recently with the Star Wars painting because I felt like I wasn't doing a very good job on it so I'm like you know what I'm going to take a break and just paint something and I don't really do abstract very well um because i overthink everything um but i did it this time and i just started dripping paint and slapping stuff on there and doing circles and squares and stuff and it doesn't really look like anything but it felt good so it kind of got me out of my head a little bit and i was able to eventually move back to this painting because i finished it (laughs) nice no that's that's really interesting to think about and yeah i mean i and that's ultimately i guess what you want to get out of it from the beginning too is just that therapeutic i guess you know releasing those i guess endorphins of just um or not endorphins that's a wrong <laughs> chemical the serotonin endorphins is yeah. something different <laughs> <laughs> i i got you it's cool <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i'm glad you were uh picking up what i was putting down there exactly <laughs> to clear up any confusion serotonin serves as a mood stabilizer while endorphins serve as pain relief and can cause an effect called runner's high in weird people like me who enjoy running. Both are hormones that are involved in promoting a happy mood and positive feelings. <laughs> All right, perfect. Um, and I see that uh, you announced there's like a rough web page or Etsy account in the works. Is that still a thing that's in the process? <laughs> yes, um, it exists, but I just don't. I don't know what to put on there. Kind of like the paintings that I, I think are good, I don't actually want to get rid of. So it, it's, I don't know, it's a struggle. Um, I actually, the person I was talking to today, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do in this next week. Like, I'm going to make a plan and uh, come up with, like, some cohesive ideas of stuff to, like, market myself on. And I think I'm going to do better with an Etsy versus a website. Because a website's just all over my head. I'm not very tech-savvy and, I don't, frankly, kind of lazy when it comes to the internet. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I definitely I, I definitely stink at that, marketing myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I definitely identify with that, too. I just, um, I mean, even for, 
like the website I did for my blog and stuff. Like I, you know, I, uh, I did technically like the very, very first one on my own, just like one of the, um, one of the, uh, options with WordPress and everything, like one of their templates and things. And, um, it was, you know, it was functional. It was fine. But like in my head, I'm thinking like, I need to change this cause I don't like the design, but it's something for now. And it's, it's kind of getting me started. And then I had a, and then the next go around, like I had a friend, um, uh, you know, do it for me. And then they made some improvements. And then I eventually ended up moving everything from WordPress to WordPress to Wix. And then I had like a college student in South Dakota <laughs> design, um, design the site that I have now, which I mean, I'm more than happy with. And it was one of those things like, I'm really not tech savvy either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it felt so good to just be like, yeah, here's what I want to do for it. I have no idea how to do it though. And that's kind of your realm. So have at it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what I need to do. Cause I, I know what I want on there. I just don't want to do it or don't know how to do it. So maybe I'll just I'll find somebody to do it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Help, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And there are a lot of people looking for those projects and stuff right now. And honestly, I could even get you in contact with uh, with some people who I know would be willing to work and, and do that kind of stuff who do it pretty regularly. So, Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, send it my way. I mean, I'm probably going to be a little slow to roll on it, but at least I'll have it in, in <laughs> the ball will be in my court. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I know it was one of those things for me too. Like it all, it's like when I have someone else that's kind of vested in it too, it like forces me to like actually stay up on it and be a little bit more motivated and be like, okay, yeah, well, oh, I got to do this because I got to send it to them and stuff. And I don't want to leave them in the dark on this stuff. So then it like, it forces me to actually make progress with it with, you know, before I would just get overwhelmed and think like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta do that and stuff like that and try to come up with a plan, but I don't even know where to start with the plan. So then I just keep getting overwhelmed. And it's like, I think I, I've learned after a while, it's just better to, you know, connect with somebody who actually does that for a living and, or, or at least someone who's more passionate about it or more knowledgeable about it, or they enjoy doing it. It's like, yeah, here, have at it. This is what I, I want done. And I have no idea how to get there. How do we get there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's so true. Oh, another thing I was gonna ask earlier that I forgot about is um now is there any specific like brushes or I just equipment in general that you prefer using? Um yeah. Uh I I really like using palette knives, which um people use them for everything and there's still stuff that I don't know how to do with them, but it kinda like spreads the paint on the canvas versus like brushes like make actual strokes but it's it's fun to kind of get started and just like get something on there um as far as brushes go I probably work too small like I like tiny not like mini brushes but like smaller brushes because I feel like I can just get more out of them um but yeah I don't know I, I probably have way too many art supplies for how little I do. I mean, I do a lot, but I mean, not as much as other people. And I just have piles and boxes and totes of paint and paintbrushes and other stuff. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, I guess if it's all conveniently in boxes and stuff, probably easy to move around if you if you're still moving around quite a bit <laughs> yeah yeah oh i'm hopefully gonna stay put for a little while until i'm done with school but yeah definitely easy to uh take with me <laughs> yeah no for sure um oh uh i remember this was years ago but i remember um you i think you were a communication specialist at, at Big B mm -hmm. and then um soon after kind of made that announcement like I'm I'm going back to school to, you know for for art and everything um I guess what kind of led you to that that ultimate decision ah, good memory um <laughs> <laughs> I so going back a little ways um when I first went to college I went for art I wanted to be an art teacher like, when I graduated from high school, I'm like, I'm going to be an art teacher. And then I did one semester, um, and this was after my family was like, no, like, you shouldn't do art, and, like, there, there's no, like, jobs out there, and blah, 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 blah. 
And then after my first semester, I mean, they, they kind of were right because we went through a recession and they were getting rid of art and music from a lot of schools at that time. So I made a lot of bad decisions and ended up with like a BS uh, social sciences degree <laughs> and then got the job at Big B, which I loved. I worked as a barista for like four years before that. So I enjoyed it, but I'm just like sitting there like thinking about what I'd rather be doing with my life, which is no offense towards them at all. But I'm just like, I'm not meant to sit at, de at a desk. I'm not meant to be here. <laughs> so I finally was like, screw it. And I, I literally like on a whim sent an email to one of the advisors at MSU. I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I really want to come back to school for art. Is that even possible? And just kind of went from there. That's so funny, like how those those little decisions, I guess, just, uh, you know, end up having profound impacts and put you on paths that like, you know, that you feel destined to do. And um, just kind of those aha moments or those wake up call moments or something like that. So, no, that's that's really awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm kind of like if I could do it all over again, I would have gotten my first degree in our education and. I guess this is for everybody out there. If somebody tells you you can't do something, it's because they don't want you to. It's not that you can't. So, like, just just follow your gut and do your thing. Like, I don't know. I listen to people and I shouldn't have, and it's dumb. But I'm here now, and I'm happy with everything that's happened, and I'm still making the right decisions. It's just, uh, like, five years later. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Um, you know, I, I think definitely everyone has, you know, special talents and, and things to offer and they should just, you know, go after that, you know, if that's their calling and everything. And, you know, just uh, there are always going to be people who are naysayers or say that, oh, it can't be done or something like that. But um, I mean, <laughs> if everyone listened to those people, I mean, you know, then... <laughs> Like, think of how differently the world would be if, if uh, all these different creators were told that and they just actually listened and, and didn't do it and just took some sort of, well, there'd, there'd probably be a lot of people in the, uh, probably a lot of people just have office jobs. Right. There'd be an overabundance of office workers. <laughs> yeah. Life's too short. You gotta, you gotta do what you want. I mean, besides become a serial killer, but I mean. <laughs> yes, exactly. As long as those aren't your intentions, yes. <laughs> Whatever floats oh, your that's boat. That's so good. <laughs> oh, man. No, this conversation is awesome. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add that I maybe didn't ask or that you'd like to touch on? Um, I don't know. That last bit was actually something I was thinking of. Just kind of like if you have a passion, stick with it. As it you'll get a lot farther doing something that you like than doing something that you feel like you have to do. So. So true. No, that's so true. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's so good. Um, all right. So, uh, where can people find your, your artwork? Where can they get in touch with you for, you know, commission work or your uh, <laughs> Etsy or anything that you would have set up? <laughs> So best place to get in contact with me and the place that I actually post stuff um, is Instagram. It's seabrooksart254. Um, send me a message, like my stuff. Um, eventually I will have a website <laughs> and I'll put it on there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So good. Yeah. No, this, this conversation has been great. It's been awesome catching up with you and kind of hearing the backstory of all these things and the the finer details of everything. And, um, yeah, no, I definitely wish you the best with your art and everything. I mean, like I said, I mean, that, that portrait of pepper is just mind blowing. It's so good. And like, I mean, you, you definitely have a, have a talent for this. So, you know, stick with it, get that website out there. Um, you, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, no, I, I wish you the best with all this. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoy talking with you too. And I'm looking forward to listening to all of your interviews in the future. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's a it's a project that I've I've thought about for a little while that I'm I'm finally just giving it a shot and seeing what happens with it and no, I'm I'm super stoked for it and uh yeah, I got some people I'm working with uh kind of behind the scenes and everything that I'm super excited to work with and you know, the response has been great for like people wanting to get involved with it and stuff. So, no, I'm I'm super excited. Like uh 
yeah, so uh, toast to the future, I guess. Right? You just got to do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so good. All right, well, yeah, thanks again for taking the time to sit and talk with me, and um, I guess we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Rich. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Cheyenne's art page can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, send an email to juxtaposedjourneys at gmail.com with a brief description for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. The Juxtaposed Journeys logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner, and music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Editing, mixing, and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.